This week on Worldview, ahead of the two-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, a barrage of European foreign ministers are in Delhi for the annual Raisina Dialogue. Is Ukraine in danger of losing all the land that was annexed by Russia two years ago permanently now? And has the needle of Indian foreign policy on the conflict moved at all since 2022? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sahasini Heather. As we get you the picture that emerged both from the positions on the ground and this week at the Ministry of External Affairs annual Raisina Dialogue, where 15 of the 21 foreign ministers who attended were actually from Europe. And they together made a strong pitch for India to support Ukraine and to reconsider oil and arms purchases from Russia. It's an old tune, but it was repeated in Delhi this week. And those comments really came, remember, after an interview to German paper Handelsblatt that External Affairs Minister Jai Shankar gave defending India's position on Russia so far, saying Russia has never harmed India's interests. And that interview is online if you want to see it. Now, speaking on the sidelines of the Raisina dialogue, here's what the Latvian foreign minister, Christianis Karins, actually told me about the conversations those ministers held with external affairs minister Jai Shankar, uh, particularly at a lunch for Nordic and Baltic countries on the sidelines of the dialogue. Listen in. What we have been speaking here about this week is that maybe to consider that Russia has done something that harms India's interests, if you look at it from a broader point of view. So why do we in Latvia, why are we concerned about the war in the Middle East? We could say, well, Hamas has done nothing to harm Latvia's direct interests, or um, the war in Gaza is not against our people, so it's not our concern. But we, as a democratic country, and a country that believes in the inviolability of human rights, um, see this as a problem. So it, it is our problem even if it doesn't directly affect us. The Latvian foreign minister there. Now, two years into the Ukraine war, that was originally expected to have been much shorter. Here are the five things you need to know about where that war is going at present. First, this weekend marks two years after the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, announced special operations in Ukraine. Now, if by March 2022, that's within a month, Russia had been able to occupy in all, about 20% of Ukrainian territory by 2024, despite the military pushback, despite the support to Ukraine by Western countries, Russia still controls about 17% of it. And you can see on the map how these areas are ranged really to Russia's Western flank and give it a bit of a buffer zone. By the end of this year, 2024, if you want to look at some of the costs of this, estimates are saying Russia will have spent $132 billion and lost more than $300 billion due to financial sanctions by the West. But its sales of oil and other trade are nearly back to pre-war levels, particularly due to continuing engagement with countries like China, India, and Brazil. And you can see more of that RAND Corporation uh, report online that explains more about these numbers. Now, if you turn to what's happening in Ukraine, which has really borne the brunt of the war, tens of thousands are dead. The UN actually says they think uh, the confirmed total is about 20,000, but actually it must be much, much more. What we do know is that more than 14 million were displaced. 
of which 6 million Ukrainians are now refugees living in 11 countries outside. Cities, infrastructure all destroyed. A constant pressure on the Ukrainian military resources. According to the Ukrainian Deputy Foreign Minister, Ukraine has already suffered $500 billion in losses in the war. It is now applying for the membership to the European Union, a NATO membership that as earlier looked like something Ukraine wanted, maybe a little more complicated. Third, the two years of war have shown many fault lines in the Western coalition or alliances you like. It is different countries have debated how much they want to fund this war on the Ukrainian side. The US now heading into uncertain elections is seeing a pushback. The US, remember, has given hundreds of billions of dollars into uh, Ukraine's coffers for this war, uh, but now is seeing a pushback in Congress. European countries have seen a more unified voice about supporting Ukraine, but many in Europe are simply not increasing their defense budgets to the 2% of GDP required for the efforts in Ukraine. One obvious outcome we've seen is that Finland and Sweden have now joined NATO. Now remember, Russia has been complaining about the creeping uh, expansion of NATO. And if you look at the map, you can see now Finland and uh, uh, Sweden are also part of the NATO alliance. There's also a question when you look at the way the Western narrative has built that Israel's bombardment of Gaza has brought new schisms within that US uh, cross-Atlantic alliance. It's also exposed some of the doublespeak of these countries when they speak about civilian deaths in one conflict, but not in the other. Now, there's a similar kind of contested unity in the global south. It largely disapproves of Russia's actions. Most of them voted at the UN against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Of course, India has abstained consistently, but they don't agree with the unilateral sanctions imposed on Russia. They're not a part of the sanctions. Neither do they believe the narrative that holds only Russia responsible for the war. Remember at the G20 summit in India last year, the final joint statement actually didn't criticize Russia for the war in any way due to this Global South consolidation. And despite Western discomfort, five new members have now joined BRICS this year. Uh, so Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa were the original BRICS members. And as of this year, the UAE, uh, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Egypt, and Ethiopia have also joined, doubling its strength. And finally, if uh, if you want to look at what the role of the United Nations, uh, which hasn't really been able to pass any resolutions at the Security Council to stop the uh, conflict, uh, what kind of role multilateral organizations have? Russia has ruled out pulling out its troops from where it is entrenched. It says it's happy to speak so long as the status quo is now accepted. However, at Ukraine's request, Switzerland is actually planning a peace conference in the coming months. It has asked all countries, including India, to attend with an eye to possible mediators who can bring the Russian position closer to where the West wants it to be. At the Raisina Dialogue in Delhi, we heard some impassioned pleas for India to do something, to have its voice heard, uh, to change its position on the conflict. Russia wants to get back lost colonies. This is exactly what it is. And it didn't start like two years ago. It started already with Georgia 2008. Georgia's party occupied. And with Ukraine, it started 2014. And now it's a full-scale war ongoing. And how we see from our perspective as a bordering country, and we were occupied 50 years from Soviet Union as well, is that uh, Russia wants to get back the colonies. Uh, I think that Putin is just a butcher of his own uh, people. 
the coalition or solidarity around Ukraine is still solid. Uh, 54 countries uh, are providing us with weapon uh, assistance. Even more countries help us in humanitarian way uh, or financially. So I think uh, I think that there are all the preconditions for liberating all Ukrainian territories. Uh, of course, condition that we have all the weapons we need. So many accusations there of imperialism and creeping colonialism. Speaking to a U.S. journalist, Tucker Carlson, last week in a rare interview, here's what Russian President Putin actually had to say to the accusation that he was planning further offensives in Europe. Listen in. Because we have no interest in Poland, Latvia or anywhere else. Why would we do that? We simply don't have any interest. It's just threat-mongering. All right, so if we're up to date... What is India's position today and has it changed at all? On Russia ties, there's no perceptible shift on abstentions at the United Nations so far. India has not moved from abstaining on any sort of resolution that would criticize Russia. There's also an increase in India's oil procurement so that Russia now accounts for 30 to 40 percent of oil imports as opposed to less than 1 percent pre-war. In terms of military hardware procurement, certainly this has flagged uh, due to Russian capacity to provide uh, military hardware to India, as well as uh, to send spares, also payment issues that have now cropped up. But bilateral trade between the two countries is certainly rising. If you look at the political level, yes, Prime Minister Modi has not gone to Moscow for the annual summit as uh, he had in the past for two years now. External Affairs uh, Minister Jay Shankar certainly went there in December. And Prime Minister Modi is now expected to visit Moscow for the BRICS summit. Uh, in October this year. Meanwhile, the fact that the Ministry of External Affairs has not responded yet uh, to the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny in a Siberian prison this week, despite the chorus of protests from the West, shows that it is not changing its position anytime soon. With Ukraine, New Delhi has been much more conservative than it has with Russia. While it has provided about 100 tons of aid to Ukraine, uh, medicines, water tanks, tents, sleeping bags, etc. It has not agreed to the infrastructural aid, whether it was cell phone towers or hospital infrastructure that Ukraine's requested. There have been no visits by Indian ministers to Kiev. We've seen deputy ministers uh, visit India. Prime Minister Modi actually met with Ukrainian President Zelensky in Japan, but then he didn't invite him as he had desired uh, to the G20 summit in Delhi. The third part of this triangle, if you like, of where India stands is despite its position not really changing on Russia or on Ukraine for that matter, India's ties with the US and Europe have not actually been affected. While a few Indian companies have been sanctioned, some more may be sanctioned by the European Union this week, there's been no let up in bilateral engagement for the West, uh, especially Europe on this issue. In fact, the Raisina dialogue was really a case in point of that. And that is seen as a major success for the Modi government. So what's worldview's take? Two years into the war in Ukraine, Russian annexation of parts of Ukraine that formed that buffer zone on Russia's western flank seem impossible to reverse. But so is the damage now to Russia's reputation as a responsible and as a humane power. The US and Europe's double standards on the killings of civilians, as I mentioned, bombardment of hospitals and schools in Ukraine versus what their reaction has been to Gaza, has now made its position 
unsellable to the rest of the world. The world's simply saying, we told you so. In all of this, India's position has delivered its diplomacy a tactical, if not a principled win. But pleasing all sides in a war is more difficult in the long run. Let's quickly get you some worldview reading recommendations on this issue. I'm getting you all new books now. One's called Russia's War on Everybody and What It Means for You by Keir Giles. Uh, this is a recent book. Another one called Not One Inch, America, Russia and the Making of Post-Cold War Stalemate. This is by Mary Sarot, who writes as M.E. Sarot, well worth reading. Uh, there are a couple of books that are coming very soon in the, next, in the first few months of 2024. One's called New Cold Wars, China's Rise, Russia's Invasion and America's Struggle to Defend the West. This is by David E. Sanger, of course, a Pulitzer winning journalist. Uh, Putin and the Return of History, How the Kremlin Rekindled the Cold War. This is by Martin Sixsmith, also just about to come out. And if you want to know more about India's position, who better to tell you than the External Affairs Minister S.J. Shankar as well. Uh, so to add to the India way, which I've spoken about before, uh, there's his latest book called Why Bharat Matters. It's not actually as comprehensive as the India way was, uh, but it does give you very, very specific responses on why India has behaved the way it has and why its policy on Russia and Ukraine has been what it has. So we hope you enjoy reading those and do join us again here on Worldview 